Hello and welcome to Visiting Hours, a Northern Health podcast offering an opportunity to learn a little about the lives, work and dreams of Northern Health staff. My name's Steve and I'll be your concierge behind the curtain. Come on in and join us for Visiting Hours. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay respects to their elders past, present and future, embracing their rich tradition of conveying information and ideas through stories and song by sharing our stories with you. Today we'll be visiting with one of only a handful of clinical toxicologists in Victoria. He's an emergency physician with a passion for education and a heart for people, and a recipient of the Australian College of Emergency Medicine's Diversity and Inclusion Award. Associate Professor Joe Rotella, welcome to Visiting Hours. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me on the podcast. You're more than welcome, and thanks for coming on board. Why don't we start by just letting people know exactly what it is that you do at the hospital? Yeah, be happy to. Um, So I'm an emergency medicine physician. So I work in the ED for about half of my time here at Northern Health. And the other half I spend using my skills as a clinical toxicologist, which is my other specialty. And I run a unit called SPECTA, which stands for Substance Dependence, Psychiatry, Envenomation, Clinical Toxicology and Recreational Substances, which is a pretty big mouthful, as you can imagine. But yeah, it's hard to find a word to cover the groups of patients we look after who may very well present with a problem related to any of those fields yeah. at any one time. So we look after particularly vulnerable patients who come through our ED, as well as patients who may have had suboptimal care experiences elsewhere who might not have met anyone like the team that um, I'm in and that uh, I work with uh, in order to provide them better care. Mm. I was actually going to ask you about Spectre too. Uh, you, you know, in healthcare, we love a, a good acronym. Uh, somebody worked really hard to get Spectre out of... Yeah, that was me. That was you? Yeah. 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 Well, actually, actually, I have to acknowledge my colleagues from my previous hospital at the Austin, uh, the toxicologists, uh, including myself. We have a network called Vampire, uh, which stands for the Victorian Monash uh, Poisons Information Research and Education Network. The idea being that toxicology often happens at night, like yep. vampires. It's genius. So when I moved across to Northern, I wanted something that was similar and hence found Spectre. Mm, and, and all jokes aside, like the work that you're actually doing through Spectre is, is so important and, and so beneficial to, to patients and their families. But was there a point in your life when you realised medicine was what you wanted to do? You know, like what's been your journey? What's your what's your story? Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, certainly growing up, I was always really interested in the human body and how things worked. Uh, I worked for 10 years during medical school and science, which was my original degree right. in a pharmacy in Northcote when it was less trendy and, and culturally savvy. And mm-hmm. we had a lot of patients who had different issues around homelessness, substance dependence, who would come in and you got to know them really well. Mm. And certainly for a few, they would present every day that I was there. So I got a chance to know a bit more about them and see a lot beyond their external appearance, which for many people, you might see them in the street and turn the other way or Mm. try not to make eye contact. So that certainly influenced a lot of my interests in medications. And when I was a junior doctor, just starting in emergency medicine training, I went to one of the toxicology forums run by my now boss, um, Director Sean Green at the Victorian 
Poisons Information Centre and thought this is exactly what I want to do. Mm. You've recently received an award from the Australian College of Emergency Medicine uh, for diversity and inclusion. Tell us a little bit about that and and what that um, was for. Yeah, so it's an award that, um, interestingly, it's awarded both to individuals and emergency departments and it looks at recognising either individuals or departments that have tried to um, create opportunities or interventions or projects around um, assisting either staff with diverse backgrounds or um, patients with diverse backgrounds and, and obviously trying to support inclusion. And it was initially brought out in 2020 and then the pandemic happened and it hasn't been awarded to an individual since um, this year. And I was thankfully, um, and I'm very pleased and very humbled to be have been nominated by uh, Dr. Sada Malouf, who's our fellow with Inspector, who was also my toxicology registrar when I was uh, the toxicology fellow at the Austin, and she was my one of my Spectre registrars as well in its first year. And she wrote a, a nomination um, detailing what Spectre involved and what type of work and ethos we practised. And the board at the College of Emergency Medicine was impressed and, and bestowed the award. So I was really honoured because it's not an easy award to win. Um, obviously, it's got to be something that stands out and it really made uh, a big deal for me because it was recognising something that I'm really passionate about, that it's not easy to necessarily sell uh, in the wider world, this idea of you know compassion and a sense of fairness for patients who've often had very, very difficult lives. They've sustained trauma mm. from a number of different things. And, you know, we live in a world where everything's a face value judgment, couple of seconds to make a decision, you know, whether it's buying things or looking at Instagram and shorts and YouTube. But often what we need to do as doctors, as medical professionals and as people is say, well, I wonder why that person begging for money, what happened to them that led them to this point because no one decides to just sit on the street and be homeless or pick up a syringe and inject heroin. And mm. I think that element there is what we've really tried to push and the idea of trauma-informed care, and I'm really glad the college has recognised that. Yeah, and I guess tempered against the the recognition is is the satisfaction of the wonderful work that Spectre is actually doing, and the the award's really just a you know a cherry on the top. Oh, absolutely. When I went to the Northern Health uh, Executive and my then emergency director with the idea of not having just a toxicology unit, which was obviously needed, but having something that did a little bit more, I was really pleased that everyone thought it was a really good idea. Mm. And our CEO, um, Siva, was really supportive. And uh, um, I'm really grateful for that, that he not only supported the idea, but has also approved our business case to continue working and expanding, recognising the groups of patients who need a service like Spectre in the northern catchment and recognising what's happened to a lot of people after COVID that, you know, we've seen an increase in substance use, mm. we've seen an increase in family violence and distress sure. and a lot of people's lives changed because of things that were out of our control and people are still coming in affected by that and so we need to have ways of helping people through that challenge and difficulty. Mm, and, th and that notion of helping people seems to be a recurring theme with you as I've, as I've researched uh, some, of your, some of your work. 
And I mean, even as a as a young doctor, you know, you helped found a, a network for young doctors, a support network that's grown and grown since. You've developed mnemonics or you know ways of remembering uh, certain systems, uh, doctor toxic, basically to assist young doctors with the referral of toxicology patients. You seem to be the kind of person that when you see a problem rather than saying, you know, hey, somebody should do something about that, you're the guy that does something about that, whether you're the, the CEO or the patient walking through the door or the young doctor or the person on the street. What do you see in the future for yourself and the hospital? Look, I think, you know, we're going for a time of change. Um, the new ED has been announced and we've brought mental health in under Northern Health. And one of the exciting aspects of that is Spectre's moving across to the mental health division. And we're going to be working alongside um, some of the members from psychiatry who are doing their addiction psychiatry training, almost finished. And we're going to look at, I guess, coming together and creating a new entity which will represent uh, those aspects that we need to provide to the community both from an inpatient point of view, from an outpatient point of view, clinics, and hopefully moving towards providing options around detox and rehabilitation with our community partners. So what I'd love to do is focus on consolidating Spectre, but as it grows into and merges with members from the mental health division into a new entity, which will allow it to do a lot more. And um, over the next few years, our service will expand in terms of people as well. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and hopefully being able to report back to the wider medicine community to say, look, you know, it doesn't have to be just at the Northern. Certainly at the Northern we do it best, but if you want to um, have a similar service at your own hospital that you just need the right people and the right motivation to make it happen. And here are the steps to, to follow to, to make it happen, yeah. Absolutely, because well, that's one of the differences. We often work in these silos that, you know, if you've got a heart problem, you see a cardiologist. If you have a gut problem, you see a gastroenterologist. But there's a lot of patients we have out there that don't neatly fit into boxes, and that's probably the case for most of our patients. And I think all of us as doctors and nurses and medical professionals in general pride ourselves on being able to do something for the patient in front of us. And that's been really what the benefit of Spectre has been, that I haven't felt constrained by being trained only in emergency medicine and uh, toxicology, but because I've had some experience in addiction medicine and just having been around many patients, many people with those problems, you know, I'm comfortable to go, look, I don't know the answer to this, but let's have a look and see if we can find some resources mm. or let's talk to these other uh, other group to see if they can help as well. And that's what a lot of patients need. They don't necessarily need someone to tell them this is what you need to do or this is what's wrong, but here are some ways that can help you achieve what you want mm. um, because we often forget about that, what's important to the patient in this whole exchange of problem and solutions. You're listening to Visiting Hours. We're chatting today with Associate Professor Joe Rotella. You seem to be like the um, <laughs> the James Brown of the the medical world in terms of the hardest working man in the in the business. <laughs> um, what do you, what do you do to uh, de stress? Like, what, how do you flick the switch and and have some you time? Yeah, look, it's it's a challenge for me. Uh, I think I have trouble switching off. Uh, a lot of the time, but recently I've been a bit better. So I took up bass guitar at the start of the year. Oh, cool. I previously played violin and piano and still try to, but 
I've played in our son's parents' band at their school. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I go to the gym regularly. Um, I turned 40 in May and sort of set on getting, you know, fitter and enjoying the next couple of decades in the best state of health I could enjoy. I uh, enjoy reading. I like a lot of pop culture, so Doctor Who and Spider-Man are my two main interests that I've had since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I think just getting out there and seeing more of the world, like we live in a beautiful part of the world and even within just Victoria, getting out there, going for a drive, seeing what's along the coast, seeing what's amongst the trees, there's lots to experience. Mm. And um, ultimately, you know, time with my boys, I've got two boys aged five and eight and they always keep life interesting for me and uh, that's what I always look forward to outside of work is spending time with them and as they've grown up and they get a better sense of the human body and what I do for work, we have a lot of fun hearing their interpretation of, you know, how the body works and what I should do about particular medical situations, whether they're imagined or real. (laughs) I guess it's always good to seek a second opinion. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned there about uh, pop culture and uh, Spider-Man and Doctor Who. I'm a a fellow Whovian. Nice, Um, nice. But it would be remiss of me having a clinical toxicologist here not to ask the question, if I were to be bitten by a radioactive spider, would I inherit the, the powers of a spider and be able to climb the walls and shoot webs? Oh, look, it would be incredible and I'm sure people would line up for the opportunity, but I suspect a spider exposed to radioactive material would die and it'd probably not be a bite at all, but it's fun to imagine what could be possible. Indeed, indeed. Had to ask. Sorry about that. (laughs) No, that's okay. I was going to ask you if you have a favourite doctor. Ooh, I think um, the 10th doctor, David Tennant, uh, I really enjoyed a lot of his episodes, particularly with Donna. And I think we all, you know, shed a tear on his last episodes when he said, you know, I don't want to go. And we all screamed back at the TV, we don't want you to go either. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, and he got to come back. Look, I grew yeah. up with Tom Baker um, when oh, I was a kid, um, for which a lot of people uh, would have. But um, Peter Capaldi is my absolute favourite. I think he had a little bit of a spurting start to begin with, but mm. then rapidly injected a lot of his own persona into the Doctor and just absolutely loved the seasons he was in. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the 60th anniversary coming out soon. It's, it's almost here, that's right. Very exciting, <laughs> Nearly very there. exciting. Can't wait. <laughs> I, I've read a lot of articles of yours uh, recently, both uh, online and, and here at the hospital, and, and came across one that was, uh, you know, finding the specialty in medicine is a lot like dating. Um, you know, you, you, you're not exactly sure what's out there, you test the waters a little, you, you see if something's a, a good fit, um, and that kind of thing. Um, what, what does a perfect date look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. You'd hope for nice weather because I think having a part of it outside is really important. Mm. I've got a belief that humans are solar-powered, so being able to walk along somewhere when it's sunny, being able to talk about what's going on. Um, I always found that idea of going to a movie interesting as a first date because you sit next to each other and you don't talk. (laughs) Um, Certainly have to have some element of food, so maybe, you know, a cafe by the waterside after going for a walk or before going for a walk. Um, and just being able to talk and share experiences I think is a really nice way of just getting to know each other. And I think if you can talk to someone for a period of time whilst you're walking, looking around, seeing what comes up and there's a natural flow, Mm. then you've probably got a good beginning to something long-term. 
Sorry, I'm just taking some notes. That's right. Uh, we've touched on this a little bit already in terms of superheroes, but if, if you could have a superpower of your own, what, what would that be? Oh, that's a really good question. There are days where I'd like to be able to clone myself so I could get more of my to-do list done. Yep, amen. One person would just be checking through and deleting emails, making sure my mandatory training was up to date. Sorry, <laughs> poor joke. Uh, I promise it's all pretty much done. Um I actually love the idea of teleportation just because there's so many places around the world that would be wonderful to see and obviously post-pandemic air travel is pretty expensive and it would be lovely to just go, I'm going to spend, you know, a night at Machu Picchu or then the next night go see the Leaning Tower of Pisa, Mm. see the Great Wall of China, go to Antarctica. Um, I think it would be amazing to see all these different places that for a lot of people are outside of their reach or outside Mm. their means to get to. Mm. So if you could teleport, I think that'd be pretty cool. That'd be awesome. Um, I actually think I have a a superpower and that's being able to uh, find the good in in anybody. And look, to be honest, some days it's a little bit harder than others and I need to flex a little to, to get a good outcome. But on other days, like today, even mere mortals can see uh, the good that you're doing. You create environments for your colleagues to be able to engage with each other and, and feel supported. You reach out to the often overlooked and give them the, the dignity and respect that they deserve. And you're a loving father. Thanks, Steve. I could chat with you all day about the good that Spectre's doing and Sonic Screwdrivers for that matter. But sadly, visiting hours are over. Thank you very much for having me, Steve. Thanks for your time. No worries. We've been visiting today with Associate Professor Joe Rotella, Northern Health's clinical toxicologist, emergency department physician and lead of the Spectre unit. Keep clear of radioactive spiders and remember, you're always welcome during visiting hours. <laughs>